You're listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Here's what's coming up in today's edition. The only way to get saved is to run headlong into that full, beautiful, blood-soaked cross of Christ and say, Lord, I'm coming to the only way, your way, the Isaac way, the Jesus way, and I'm trusting you to cover my sin. And then in there, the Spirit of God comes into you, and you are forgiven of your sin, raised from the spiritual dead, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, and go from hell-bound to heaven-bound, from lost to saved, from blind to sight, from dead to alive. Do you know where you stand in eternity? When you've moved on from this world, where are you headed, and what do you plan on bringing with you? In today's message, Pastor Jeff wants you to know that if you want to be saved from your past, move on from your mistakes. Give your heart to Jesus. Everything on this earth will be dead and gone someday, but God's grace will always remain. Stop wasting your time on lies that will fade away and invest in what matters most, eternity with Jesus. Well, let's join Pastor Jeff in the book of Genesis chapter 16 as he continues his message, Abraham's greatest mistake. So let me tell you about two twins today, faith and patience. Can you say those with me, faith and patience? See, faith never really brings to you what you're believing for unless you mix faith with patience, which helps you to hang around long enough to receive what faith is bringing. Faith and patience are brother and sister, twins, siblings. They work together. And we love the faith part. We don't like the patience part. And here's Abraham and Sarah. They got the faith part. I know that God is going to do this. I know I'm going to be the father of many nations. I received the word from God. But this patience thing is killing me. The Bible says, unfortunately, and Abraham hearkened to the voice of his wife. Most of the time, guys, our wives give us good counsel. But every once in a while, you better hear God. Sorry, wives, I'm just telling the truth. And you wives... We have a lot of wisdom, us men, but we're not always right. Sometimes you need to hear God. He hearkened to the voice of his wife, but it wasn't the voice of God. And in the same way, how many times do we turn aside from believing that God is going to bring this to pass? And we think that we're going to bring it to pass. Now, so he turned to his poor, carnal, weak, feeble, fleshly hands to bring a divine promise to pass. And Abraham took Hagar as his second wife, and they conceived a child, a son, and named him Ishmael, father of the Arab nation. Now, I want to tell you something here. Let's get real about house and home. Abraham loved Ishmael. Abraham loved this boy. This boy came from him. And let me tell you what I think Abraham was saying to himself and with Sarah. He was saying... God honored our plan. God has put a big amen on our idea. Ishmael is going to be a wonderful heir to everything that God has promised me. But you know what the Bible reveals? Almost immediately, you begin to see cracks in the scheme. Like any work of the flesh. Listen carefully. Cracks are going to appear in our schemes anytime we turn to the flesh rather than waiting on God and we birth an Ishmael. And church, virtually everybody in this room has somewhere along the way birthed an Ishmael. And Ishmael is when you say, I'm going to do this myself. I'm stepping outside of faith. I'm going to move in presumption. And through the strength of the flesh, we conceive and we birth an Ishmael. Ishmael is of the flesh. Isaac is of faith, of the spirit. 
Ishmael is born of unbelief. Isaac is born of faith. Ishmael represents our own best efforts. Isaac represents the move of God. Ishmael represents the flesh. Isaac, the spirit. And the Bible says inside of you and me, there is a battle going on each and every day. The flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. So Ishmael is really a beautiful picture of the flesh inside of us. And Isaac is a beautiful picture of the work of the spirit. The work of the spirit. Cracks began to appear. Ishmael stands in the Bible as a type and a shadow and a picture and an illustration of what happens when our faith faints. We cease trusting God and we act hastily and we act unwisely instead of waiting on the Lord to move. The Bible says, be still and know that I am God. Wait upon the Lord, trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. But they didn't wait. They didn't wait. Now, I want to look at the consequences of what happened in Abraham and Sarah's life because they stepped out of the spirit into the flesh. And remember, the Bible says that these stories, these accounts that are true historical accounts are given to you and to me so that we will learn from them and not make the same mistakes. So how many of you would rather learn from the Bible than the hard way? You see? Amen. So here comes Ishmael. He's born. Here's what I see it did. First, this ill-advised decision brought sorrow to the home. The work of the flesh brought sorrow to the home. When Hagar saw that she was carrying Abraham's child, she didn't even try to conceal her contempt for the first lady. The former slave was now put on an equal plane, an equal level with Sarah. And how many of you ladies can say, I see trouble all over that. This woman who was there to help Sarah was all of a sudden looking Sarah in the eyeball and sticking her tongue out at her, essentially, and saying, I gave him a child and you couldn't. And it did not go over well at all. The Bible says, and when she saw that she conceived, that is, Hagar saw that she conceived, Sarah was despised in her eyes. A competitive spirit entered that home. The flesh always brings bad things to the home. Your Ishmaels always bring bad things to the home. Affections were divided now. Abraham had to show affection to both. Loyalty was strained. And peace is now replaced with bitter rivalry. This home that was a home of faith called of God. I mean, this man that had a call on him like nobody in his generation. Yet he now has let an Ishmael, the work of the flesh, have a major part in his home. And it brought trouble. You know what gets me? If only they had waited a few more years. Because the 21st chapter of Genesis tells us all about the boy Ishmael growing up. And it says that when he was about 13 years old, Sarah called Abraham into the bedroom and said, I got news for you. What's up? She says, I'm pregnant at 90. He was 100. Every man in here say, go Abraham. So here's 13-year-old Ishmael, and now the promise comes to pass. And I want you to see what it says. Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age according to the set time of the Lord. Now I want to just pluck that phrase for a second and just look at it. 
at the set time. I want you to catch this. This tells us that our God is a God of perfect, exquisite timing. Our God is a God of timing. He doesn't go with the flow. He never says, oops. And he never says, well, I'll be. He knows exactly what he's doing, precisely where he's going, millennia before it ever happens. And there is an exact, express, exquisite, perfect timing for everything that God does. So it says, at the set time. So this whole time, they were confused and wringing their hands and filled with angst and trying to make it all happen on their own. If they had only been able to peer into the portals of glory and into God's heart, they would have seen that he had a calendar and there was a day marked on it. And it said in that little square, Isaac conceived. He had a perfect time, a set time for all this to come to pass. And where does that leave you and me with the promises of God? Let me tell you where it leaves us. Every promise of God, are you ready? Every promise of God to you and to me is like a seed. And inside that seed is a timer. And there is a time when God has decreed that that seed will come forth. The Bible says in due season, you will reap if you do not faint. That means in the right season, your promise is due. You know, we've got women in here that are pregnant. If I say to that woman, hey, I see you're expecting a child. When is it due? She'll tell you exactly what the doctor has said. Because all of life is built on this principle that with everything there is a season and a designated time for every purpose under heaven. And so every promise impregnates us by faith with a blessing that is coming, but there is a due date for it. Now, I'm going to tell you exactly why God did it this way. Because when this happened, he was 100, she was 90. Why did God do it this way? Let me show you why. Because God wanted Isaac to be a miracle child, a product of faith, not of flesh. And every promise he brings to pass in your life and mine, he wants it to be a miracle answer, a miracle provision, a miracle materialization of a promise that he gave us. He waited till Abraham and Sarah were so old in years, far beyond reproductive years, so that nobody could get the credit for the birth of Isaac but God himself. <laughs> Isaac is a type of Christ. Jesus was a miracle conception. Holy Ghost moved across Mary, and that which was conceived in her was of the Holy Spirit. And so you got here a type of Messiah, a type of Christ in Isaac, that he was born to a couple that were far beyond the ability to, to reproduce. And yet it happened, and it happened by faith, not by the work of the flesh. So now you've got in the household two things. You've got the work of the flesh and the work of the Spirit. In the same house... Work of the flesh here, work of the spirit here, living in the same house. I want you to know today, church, that how many of you are believing God for something today? Come on, raise your hand high. If there is something you're believing God to do, and how many of you can also say, I've been waiting a while? Let me see. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm preaching to the right crowd because guess what? That's the Christian life. We walk by faith and not by sight. And all the promises of God come to pass by faith mixed with patience. And our God, we need to realize today, is a God of 
Incredible timing. There was a set time for Isaac to be born, a set time for Jesus to be born. The Bible says, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. There was a set time for Jesus to die. There was a set time for Pentecost. The Bible says when the day of Pentecost had fully come, that's talking about timing. So there was a set time, a microsecond, when God had decreed the Spirit of God would be poured out upon all mankind. And at that set time, the Spirit fell. Now let me excite you with one more thing. There is also, since there was a set time for him to be born, a set time for him to die, a set time for the Spirit to fall, there is a set time marked on God's calendar right now as I speak when the trumpet is going to blow and Jesus is going to return to earth the second time. It's a set time. It's a set time. And when that time comes, even Jesus said, no one knows the time but your Father who is in heaven. But that time is going to come and God's going to turn to his Son who is sitting right now at his right hand and he's going to say, Son, it's time. Go get your bride. And that trumpet's going to blow and you're going to be walking along just minding your own business and all of a sudden, boom, you're going to be looking at the one who died for you. At the set time. At the set time. So first, Ishmael brought sorrow to the home. Second, Ishmael brought a divided home. The Bible reveals that the work of the flesh persecuted the work of the spirit. I'm going to say that again. The work of the flesh persecuted the work of the spirit. Ishmael, work of the flesh. Isaac, work of the spirit. Ishmael of unbelief. Isaac of faith. Ishmael, out of the will of God. Isaac, the will of God. When the little boy Isaac was born into the home, Ishmael became eaten up with resentment that this little guy was now capturing part of his father's heart and it caused division. And one day Sarah looked out the kitchen window into the backyard. She saw something that made her blood boil. The Bible says Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which was born to Abraham, mocking Isaac. Now by now, Ishmael's 15 and Isaac's about two. So you've got this great big guy, this teenager, giving this little fella, Isaac, the son of promise. Different Bible versions replace the word mocking with persecuting, laughing at, scoffing, making fun of, deriding, teasing. We would call it today bullying. Ishmael was bullying this little guy making his life miserable in the house. The work of the flesh always persecutes the work of the Spirit. The work of the flesh always stands against the work of the Spirit. The work of the flesh will always, in our life, persecute, attack, and deride the work of the Spirit. Our Ishmaels will always mock our Isaacs. Are you following me today? Whatever your Ishmael is, let me tell you what it'll do, guarantee you. It'll resist the will of God for your life, your Ishmael. It will resist the glorification of Jesus in your life. Your Ishmael will rise up against your spiritual progress every time. The flesh wars against the spirit, Paul said, and the spirit wars, battles against the flesh. You have inside of you, some have used this illustration, a black dog and a white dog. Which one wins? The one you feed the most the work of the spirit or the work of the flesh. So Ishmael brought a sorrowful house and he brought a divided house because now you've got 
two that are against each other that are tearing at the loyalties and tearing at the affection and tearing at the hearts of this family. Oh, that we would pray and really be aware of the price that is paid when we birth and Ishmael, because watch this, this didn't just happen to Abraham. He was fully involved. He gave his body to it, his soul to it, his will to it. He birthed it. And now, after time goes by, he realizes the price he's got to pay. And that's the way it always is with sin. Sin always looks good at first. It's the devil's job. It's his art form to make sin look good, to dress it up in a nice suit, to dress it up in a pretty dress, to make it look attractive, to make it look appealing. He makes sin look that way. But once you buy into it, before long, you realize that an Ishmael has been birthed and it's bringing disharmony to your home. It's bringing division to you. It's tearing the house up. Matter of fact, the third consequence was a crisis in the house. The Bible tells us that Sarah had years before when Hagar first got pregnant and began to despise Sarah, the Bible says Abraham, per Sarah, gave her the boot. Actually, Sarah did it. Sarah kicked her out. Sarah kicked her out. You're going to despise me. You're going to undermine me. I'm the first lady of the house. You seem to have forgotten who I am. Take a hike and kicked her out. But God appeared and said, receive Hagar back in. And they took her back into the household. Now watch this. She did that years before, but when Sarah saw Ishmael mocking and jeering and belittling her son, she went to Abraham and said, she didn't make a suggestion. She didn't say, honey, would you pray about this? She didn't say, Abraham, I wish you would really consider as time goes by doing something that I'm just going to suggest you might want to, you might want to do. No, 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 no. She used two words that are extremely strong. She said, cast out. How many of you men can say, I know that voice? She was not making a suggestion. She was saying, this is it. She said, this bondwoman and her son, cast her out. For the son of this bondwoman is not going to be an heir with my son. And she put her foot down. Now, remember, follow the metaphor here. She's essentially saying, this work of the flesh has got to go. This work of unbelief has got to go. The work of the flesh and the work of the spirit cannot coexist in the same house forever. Are you following me, church? Because this is right where we live. And the Bible says he did it. Listen to this sad account. Abraham rose up early in the morning before the camp was awakened. And he took Hagar and he pressed into her hand some bread. And upon her shoulder, he bound a bottle of water. Now stop a minute. Let's be real. He's looking at her. She's looking at him. He's putting water over her shoulder and giving her food. He's packing her up to leave. Do you think he was just sitting in there saying, kumbaya, hama, 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 I'm just doing the will of God? Uh-uh. It was tearing him up. She's looking him in the eye. So's Ishmael. What are you doing, Dad? What's this about? Where am I going? Where are we going? See, Ishmael's are those things that are works of the flesh. It's so much easier to birth one than to get rid of one. 
Well, son, God's going to take care of you. Hagar, God's going to take care of you. I must do what he told me to do. Now, stay with me, folks. This is a picture. I'm not trying to make Abraham look like a bad guy. Ishmael in the home was not good for the home. A work of the flesh in the home is not good for the home. A work of the flesh in the house of our faith, our personal lives, is not good for us. There comes a time when Sarah is like the voice of the Holy Spirit. Cast it out. This has got to go. This can't stay. You can't have the work of the flesh and the work of the Spirit coexisting in the same house. One or the other is going to have to win. One or the other is going to have to remain. There was a crisis in the house. This wasn't easy for Abraham. It broke his heart. It broke Hagar's heart. It broke Ishmael's heart. And Sarah, well, she was just mad. There was a crisis in the house, and the crisis had to be resolved. And it was resolved by the decision to remove the work of the flesh from the presence of Isaac so that Isaac, the work of the Spirit, could grow unencumbered, unpersecuted, with air to breathe into everything God had called him to be. So here's the meaning for us in a nutshell. We all have to deal with Ishmael's that we have birthed. Compromising friendship. I had to deal with those. A fleshly destructive habit that we have coddled and defended. I want you to notice with me, God allowed Ishmael to stay for 15 years, but then the time came. The time came. That particular thing that is hindering your walk with God, you know what an Ishmael does. It hinders your walk with God, persecutes what God is doing in your life, quenches the Spirit of God in our life. So God comes to us, even if he's allowed it to be there for a while. And we have thought he understood. Well, he didn't understand, but the day of reckoning always comes with an Ishmael. And God came and said, today's the day. Now it's got to go. Isaac has got to grow. So we see Abraham obeying even when it hurt, when it caused anguish to his heart. Still he said, goodbye, goodbye. I can just picture it. Bye, son. I'll pray for you. But you didn't come by faith. Now let me make this positive at the end. Because some of you are going, that old Abraham, that was mean. Uh Uh-uh, it was the word of God. There is a price for Ishmael's and it's always hard to let go. If it's not hard to let go, it wasn't an Ishmael. Here's the good news. Once Ishmael was gone, peace, joy, and the freedom to move forward in God's will was released. And that boy Isaac grew up to be a man of God. Abraham moved forward into all the promises of God. The Abrahamic household flourished under the blessing of God. Once Ishmael was gone. What's your Ishmael today? Can I give you one last illustration? Ishmael represents our own best efforts to get saved. Isaac represents the only way to get saved by faith in Jesus Christ. Ishmael is, I'm going to make God's will happen. I'm going to get saved myself. Isaac was, I'm going to trust God to do it. And Isaac is a picture of Christ. And I'm going to tell you, church, the only way to get saved is to run headlong into that full, beautiful, blood-soaked cross of Christ and say, Lord, I'm coming to the only way, your way, the Isaac way, the Jesus way. And I'm trusting you to cover my sin 
And then and there, the Spirit of God comes into you and you are forgiven of your sin, raised from the spiritual dead, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, and go from hellbound to heavenbound, from lost to saved, from blind to sight, from dead to alive by Christ. When you're waiting on plans to fall into place, what's your first instinct? Are you okay with waiting it out? Do you need progress reports? Or does it break you down and you try to make it happen on your own? In today's word from Pastor Jeff, he showed you how to use patience to improve your life for the better. God has a divine plan for you and wants nothing more than to guide you to be the best version of yourself. Turn times of waiting into divine blessing. I'll hand it over to Diane, who will let you know more about Hardwired. For more teachings and information about this ministry, we encourage you to check out hardwired.org. Pastor Jeff Wickwire has many more messages there. You'll find them under the audio tab. This will surely help you be encouraged in the Word. Once again, that's hardwired.org. We want to invite you to come back again next time for another teaching from Pastor Jeff. Daniel has more on that, giving you something to look forward to. Do you know that there's a God who has always had you on His mind? Do you know that there is a Savior eagerly awaiting your arrival into His kingdom? If you want to experience serenity and be with someone who will never let you down, turn to Jesus. He has always been by your side and will always be there no matter what you're going through. Don't fight your battles alone. Leave it all at the feet of Jesus and be lifted up from the pain and suffering of this world. Thanks for taking time to be with us today as we study God's Word. If you'd like to hear more teachings from Pastor Jeff, visit hardwired.org. On behalf of Pastor Jeff and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again right here on Hardwired.